Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is how to do business successfully in Canada. Our guest expert today is Bill Armstrong, the president of Gava Talent Solutions. Now, Gava Talent Solutions, which is part of the Global Upside group of companies, is a global leader in professional staffing, consulting services, and just in general doing business in over 100 countries. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Canada, and I just want to frame the conversation because we all know that when we go into a country that is very, very different, so perhaps in Asia or um, in a European country where we really don't speak the language, it's always obvious that there are going to be some differences and we know that there needs to be some translation and things like that. Oftentimes we all get tripped up when we go into countries that are similar to us. They maybe look similar or they sound similar, but in fact, they have regulations and approaches to doing business that are very, very different than what we might be used to. And Canada happens to be one of those countries where it's not uncommon that companies that choose to do business there don't realize until they're pretty far along that things are different and it's sometimes somewhat challenging to unravel some of those early mistakes. Today, we're going to cover everything from um, cultural differences to setting up there, some tax issues, hiring, and kind of what all of those things mean when you do hire, and maybe even a little bit around some trade and tariff issues. So, Bill, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, so let's talk about what are what do you see as some of the biggest differences between, for example, the U.S. and Canada that oftentimes maybe companies just aren't really aware of when they're expanding into Canada. Right, and I, I think I just want to echo you know what you said because you're you're right. There are so many things that are so similar uh, between the United States and Canada, and, and doing business with the two countries that sometimes those are the places where you can get tripped up a little bit because you were not expecting that you might have to do some of the things that you have to do. Um, and funny that, you know, here in the United States, we just had the major league baseball draft um, like two weeks ago. And one of the kids that got drafted, he was the, the first round draft pick of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I saw an interview with him right after this and he was all excited, but he did not have a passport. So they weren't sure how they were going to be able to fly him into Toronto for the press conference because he had no passport. And, you know, and it's just, I think people think, oh yeah, I'll just, you know, go to Canada. But, Mm -hmm. and, and I think businesses would probably understand that, yeah, you know, there are some requirements now to get into the country that, you know, that weren't there several years ago, but it just pointed out, to me, like such a high profile thing, if you know, if you're into sports, I mean, this is a guy that's going to have a $5 million contract, but couldn't even get to Toronto for, for the press conference the next day, because he didn't have a passport. So there are little things like that, that, you know, you are going to have to alter your plans, um, you know, if you aren't prepared for it. And I think, you know, in terms of some of the things that are different, 
uh, between the two countries. I, I think you know one of the things that, that jumps off the map is healthcare. Um, you know, the government in effect pays for that um, in Canada. And so that means that em employees up there are gonna have a different healthcare experience than they do in the United States. And the way that the com companies deal with that is going to be um, different um, than, than how they would deal with it in the United States. So, you know, if you have, you know, health spending accounts or you do some of these things where you're trying to help employees um, and you're saying this is a major benefit that your company has because you're helping the employee with how they uh, pay for their health care, um, you know, those things aren't going to matter in Canada. And the system's a little bit different, obviously, or a lot, a lot bit different. So that's one thing that, one thing that, that people have to be aware of. Um, and then another one are, are things around, you know, vacations and leaves. And, you know, for example, if, um, you know, the, the maternity leave and the, and the paternal leave um, can be <laughs> radically different. Um, that again, that the, the government will, will pay for this and the employee can get a certain percentage of their income while they're gone. Um, but the maternity leave, you know, can be up to 15 weeks uh, of maternity leave. And then after you uh, kind of finish that maternity leave, it can go into a uh, paternal leave, which could be, you know, either parent or you could share it. Um, but the paternal leave can be up to 35 weeks long. So if you had an employee that took the full maternity leave and then took the full uh, paternal leave, that's 50 weeks, you know, one year. And, you know, which would be, uh, you know, almost unheard of in the States for an a company, a company um, to accommodate an employee that had a baby and was going to be out for a year. Um, but in Canada, you know, by law, that would be one thing that the company, you know, would have to accommodate. Um, you know, another thing I think that's a bit different are some of the, um, you know, the vacation policies. Um, the, that the vacation policies are also things that are, um, you know, mandated um, by the government. And most companies in the United States that we deal with have similar policies. But for example, if you're at a company less than, than five years in Canada, you would get two weeks vacation, you know, three weeks or more, you would get five years. And then, you know, as that starts to ramp up significantly, there could be more time on top of that. Um, and again, that's not radically different from what most companies choose to do in the United States, or at least a lot of companies choose to do. Um, but again, you're not legally mandated to do that. There, there's no statutory limit that says you have to give people this vacation. Um, so I, I think those are just, you know, right off the top, you know, a, a couple of the, you know, the big things that can uh, come into play uh, when you're, you know, staffing your, uh, you know, your, your, your company uh, that you just need to know are out there that you, you might not be aware of, um, you know, if you haven't done business in Canada before. Yeah, and I think those are pretty big differences as well. It actually reminds me and makes me think that Canada, as far as from a hiring and and some of the employment laws, it's probably a little bit more similar to some of the countries in the EU than what we are here in the U.S. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I would. I would definitely agree with that. You know, and we also see it in 
you know, the, the, the work culture a bit too. Um, you know, workers in Canada are, you know, by the, are legally um, allowed or supposed to be given more work breaks than, than employees in the United States. Um, and then if you also look at, you know, any kind of a study on, you know, work hours and how many hours does the average employee work, um, on every single one that I've seen, you know, the people in the United States are working, you know, 10 to, to 20 percent, you know, longer hours a week uh, than their counterparts in Canada. Um, and again, I, I think um, it, it's just a, you know, a, a cultural difference. And, you know, in the United States, you get into some of these companies and a lot of companies and, you know, you got to be the last one to leave and, Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, whoever's the last person to turn out the lights is the one that gets the most credit and, you know, people brag about how many hours they've worked and things like that. And I think that, you know, not that people don't work hard in these other places, but I think that it's just got a a, a different feel to it, a different culture of, um, you know, how that stuff is looked at and, and you know, what is seen as important. So really the value of work and work time is a little bit different. I've noticed that there have been some culture clashes, if you will, between companies just across the border, really, where they've added another office in Canada. And then those the two groups, especially you see it kind of on the West Coast, right? That Silicon Valley kind of charger, little... Tense culture when, and then you have, you know, the Canadian culture, which is a little bit more about quality of life and, and managing, you know, kind of all those aspects. And so I've, I've found that some of the companies are challenged with that. It's, it's really been fascinating to watch. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's very, it's, it's very true. Um, You know, and this isn't, um, you know, there is a, obviously a, a, a French influence in Canada, particularly in, you know, Quebec. And, you know, we were just talking about another client that we were working with that is, you know, wants to have an entity set up in France. And, you know, at the meetings, they say, look, we got to get this done in the next few weeks here because it's going to be really challenging to get this done in August because, you know, everybody's on vacation. And, you know, while we certainly take our summer vacations, you know, in the United States as well, um, it, it's not like necessarily the productivity of the, of the, of the country is going to decrease because, you know, so many people are gone at once. But that is, in fact, what does happen in Europe and a lot of the different countries where it really is almost impossible to move things forward in the month of August. Right, right. Yeah, and it's fascinating to think that that actually does apply to the province in Canada, where they do have even more of that influence that, and in this case, a French influence. So not only do you have Canada as a whole, which is actually an incredibly diverse country, but then within the provinces themselves, there are really, really extreme cultural differences as well. Right, correct. And obviously, you know, from a business standpoint, where we see that the most is Quebec. And one, you know, that 
it's a French speaking province. And so there's some legal documents and things like that, that, you know, may very well have to be in French. And then it also has some of the most, you know, in terms of like entity and um, establishment and setup and things like that. It has, I, I believe what most people would consider some of the most um, stringent, um, uh, the most stringent process, you know, for getting those things done. And, you know, the most, paperwork and and for example uh getting set up in uh quebec versus british columbia would be two you know very different things um and would be it would be on very different time frames mm -hmm. and so i think sometimes you think oh canada that you that you have to understand that it's that a lot of this stuff um can vary from province to province and it, it's not a not a one-size-fits-all deal Right. You had mentioned um, some taxes and things like that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what should companies expect as far as, you know, product tax, so VAT, things that we really don't, we're just not familiar with and we really don't use day to day here. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, there are a couple of things that make up, um, you know, sort of the you know the, the the taxes in Canada that are that are you know if you're if you're one of those companies that qualifies and has to you know uh, pay sales tax um, you know there's basically the GST which is the goods and services tax and that is you know mandated by the federal government and that's five percent but then you also have um, the provincial um, sales tax and that is established by each province. And, you know, much like in the United States where the states can have and, and states can and do have different sales taxes, the same uh, situation holds true um, in, in Canada, but you don't have that sort of federal 5% goods and, and services tax. So you'll hear people talk about the HST, which is the harmonized sales tax, which is basically what you get, um, you know, when you add up that goods and services tax with the provincial sales tax. And so, you know, I would say on average that provincial sales tax, you know, is about 8% or so. So you're seeing that HST at about 13%, but it's certainly not uncommon for in some provinces that to be, you know, as great as, you know, 15% or so. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's not it's not standard. There's not like the Canada tax. Like each province will have that set up a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So when a company is thinking about going into Canada, are there certain provinces that are easier to set up an entity? I know you mentioned that there are more stringent laws, for example, in Quebec. Um, how do companies usually approach that? Are there provinces that make more sense for kind of a, an initial entry and then an expansion from there? Or, you know, how do you recommend companies kind of look at Canada from an entity or set up business kind of perspective? You know, I, I think it, on, on that piece, I think that it would, it, it's going, it's going to make sense to go wherever it makes the most sense for, you know, your company, wherever, obviously you have the best market for your product or, you know, where the best labor pool might be for what it is that you're doing. Um, and I don't, while there are differences in the, in the provinces and some of those things, um, I don't think they're 
incredibly pronounced, except for, you know, Quebec is different. And, um, you know, for example, like the each province, um, you know, they that the, the taxes are sort of coordinated with the federal tax, but that's not the way that it's done in Quebec. Um, you know, that that's set up, you know, differently. And then also, you know, each of the provinces can have its own credits and incentives and things like that. And then Quebec is kind of, you know, its own entity and how it does some of those things as well. So, you know, I think, um, you know, whether you, there's going to be some business reason about, you know, do I go to Edmonton or I go to Toronto? And I don't think, again, there are going to be differences, just like there are differences between setting something up in Texas or California. Um, but I, I, I think they probably aren't enough, you know, to over, um, you know, to override if one is clearly a better, you know, market for you, um, you know, than another, then you're probably still going to be better off going there. Okay. That makes sense. So really look for the business reason first versus simplicity or ease of, you know, setting something up because they'll all be similar enough. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about, well, you know, hiring and one of the first things many companies do is really bring in either kind of a small sales team or a tech team or you know some sort of a small team into Canada and let's talk a little bit about finding talent kind of the I know that talent in general in in the world really is is at a premium and it's a challenge to find great talent are you finding that in Canada as well you know what how do people approach it is it a little bit different than what they would, you know, would do here? You know, I, I think the approach is actually, um, um, I think the approach is pretty similar um, as how you would do it here. You know, and we've done a lot of work um, in, on, on the West Coast in British Columbia. Um, uh, and we've also done, you know, Vancouver, um, you know, being one place that we, we've done a lot of things. And then also, you know, we've got a couple of searches going on in Toronto right now. And so for our recruiters, it, it's not, you know, just, oh my gosh, it's just completely different. But I think you have to understand, um, you know, where to go, you know, to find, to find people. If you're going to post it on a job board or do something like that, what is going to be effective? You know, and for example, I think LinkedIn is one that, that, um, that trans, uh, translates pretty well. Um, you know, we do see, a, a, you know, a lot of uh, people in Canada, you know, on LinkedIn and can do some searches on LinkedIn and things like that if we're, you know, trying to get a, a foothold somewhere. Um, but then there's another site called Workopolis. That's, you know, W-O-R-K-O-P-O-L-I-S. And, you know, Workopolis is probably, you know, the, um, you know, the biggest um, or most popular job board in Canada. Um, so, you know, if you, if you feel the need to get something out on a job board and want to reach a lot of people up there, then, you know, you're probably going to put it on a site like, um, you know, Workopolis as opposed to like, you know, Career Builder or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, you know, sort of getting familiar with that. And then I think that, um, you know, one of the, the, the benefits is that, you know, the, um, obviously in, uh, the, there's no problems, um, with, uh, you know, finding, 
you know, English speakers, which can be a challenge, you know, in, in some parts of the world. And if you're a U.S. based company, you know, you're probably going to need that. And then the, the people in, in Canada are um, so in, in general, you know, educated about the United States um, that in some respects, it, it, it's, it can be easier dealing with them than, than a lot of other places on things. And, you know, for example, um, when we talk salary um, with the candidates, oftentimes they will quote us their salaries in U.S. dollars. Um, you know, they'll already have done, um, you know, sort of the, 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 the conversion from Canadian dollars um, in their minds, and they know they're talking to a, to a U.S. recruiter about potentially a U.S.-based company, and so they'll tell us all of these things in U.S. dollars. So it's a very, you know, educated, aware, um, you know, population about things like that. Do you find that the folks in Canada as a whole, are they as transient as they are here in the United States? Because I know in Europe, they're not. And I'm wondering if they are different in that respect, in that it's challenging to recruit someone, let's say, from Vancouver into Quebec. Or, you know, do, do you find them to be as mobile and as willing to relocate, as flexible as you see here? You know, our, you know, firsthand experience with that is that, you know, we have not had um, you know, we have not had a lot of, um, you know, success in relocating people from, you know, one part to another in Canada. Um, my gut on that is that while people um, may not be, you know, as transient, um, you know, as people are, you know, in the United States, I also, um, you know, despite what I just said, I also don't think it's as is it's, it is as challenging doing that as it would be in some parts of Europe. Mm -hmm. When someone is looking for a job, what are their expectations? I think, I mean, an obvious one, an obvious one is just that they have comparable salaries, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's legally required versus what's expected to be really competitive and then again, what are those concerns around maybe a newer company that hasn't really been there? You know, are they risk adverse or are they pretty open to risk? Um, let's, let's kind of walk through some of that. I think on the candidate side that it, it is, that is an area that I would say it's very similar um, to what you would see in the United States. Um, you know, you're, you're going to get the, um, you know, same types of, you know, questions from the candidates. Um, and I think, um, you know, you would have similar types of concerns as, as recruiting in the United States. So I, so I do find on the candidate side um, that, you know, that, that that part is, you know, is very, um, you know, is very similar. Like if we have a great startup opportunity and, you know, can really, you know, talk it through, um, you know, with, with the candidates. I think, you know, there is a population there, certainly, that gets excited about that, you know, just as, you know, there would be um, here. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, how you would compensate somebody for that, you know, those are things you need to, you know, to, 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 to be aware of. Um, 
And then I think where, you know, things from the recruiter standpoint that you have to understand is, you know, in, in, in Canada, you know, that you, you would have an employment contract with someone. And, and I guess technically or legally, it could even be a verbal employment contract, although I don't think anybody would um, ever recommend that. <laughs> you know, we, we would certainly want to get that in writing. Um, but, you know, different again from just giving somebody an offer letter. And then I think the, the employer also has to understand that, you know, if you're then looking to have some sort of uh, separation of employment um, with the candidate, there are some legal um, uh, and statutory, you know, mandates on how that would go. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, in, um, you know, Ontario, uh, you know, for instance, that, you know, basically, you're going to have to give a notice period that's equal more or less to the amount of years somebody has worked. So if they've been with you seven years, you know, then you're going to have to be looking at like a seven week um, notice period. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not it's not an employment at will thing where you can just say, you know what? Yeah, you know, I, I know you've been here for five years, but the market's changed and we don't have this position anymore. And so we've decided to eliminate it. And, you know, here's your two weeks notice or something like that, or you legally don't even have to give somebody anything, but, but that's, you know, there are certain protections for the employee, um, you know, that would be mandated um, in Canada and that, and, you know, that, that, you know, the notice periods and things like that would be, would be one of them. Does that go both ways in that employees that are looking to leave would also have an extended um, notice period or does it, is it only for a layoff? Do you know? Yeah, that, um, that does not really go both ways. Um, you know, there would not be, um, there would not be the same, um, the same sort of expectation that a candidate would have to give, um, you know, one week notice for as many years that, that, mm -hmm. you know, that, that they worked. Um, this would be definitely more um, um, geared, you know, to favor the employee. Got it. Because I know in the England and a couple of other places, you really do have a fairly long notice period from the employee side as well. Um, yeah, no, that that is um, um, that's absolutely correct. Um, you know, we and we see places. Um, you know, where you need a, you know, a letter from your employer saying that you satisfied the employment contract right. that you need That's to right. take to your new employer. And so if your employment contract, you know, says you have to give 45 days notice and you, and you didn't get it um, and you can't take that letter, then you won't get hired by your next employer. Um, and, you know, you know, India is very much like that, for instance, uh -huh. but, but no, th this would not be um, the situation in Canada. Um, you know, the, I, I think the, the, the language in the law is, um, is reasonable notice. Um, and I think that most people would consider, you know, sort of depending on the role, one to two weeks to be reasonable notice. Okay. So once you've got the agreement in place, 
you know, getting some, getting your employees onboarded and set up, do you find that companies are able to manage the kind of ongoing payroll and requirements around taxes, or do they usually need some assistance? And is is a, a PEO and a good option initially, or is it simple enough and easy enough for them to understand to roll it into kind of the, the payroll systems that they may be already have set up? You know, we're, we're a little, um, you know, biased on that answer <laughs> because, you know, our, our parent company, Global Upside, that is, uh, you know, certainly a, a service and a very popular service that we offer. And so I, I think, you know, so my, my biased answer on that would be that, look, if you're going into a new market and you don't have any expertise there, um, you've never been there before, you don't already have an established office, um, and, you know, particularly, uh, you know, you may not have any sort of accounting department there. So you may not have any sort of local experts on the ground, so to, so to speak, of how to do this, that I think outsourcing that um, where you get an instant expert to do that makes a whole lot of sense for you, um, you know, while you're worried about, you know, getting the, the, the entity set up and getting the business established and whether it be, um, you know, getting your sales going or getting a technology department up and running or whatever it might be that your focus can be on that and not on some of the payroll issues. Um, if you've got a full accounting department base there and you have the ability and, you know, you've already got somebody on site that's done Canadian payroll, well then sure, that might be a different story. But most of the time, you know, we don't see that being the case. And, you know, and it is a, and it is just different enough that if you aren't aware of some of these things, if you don't have people that know what they're doing, um, then you are going to get tripped up somewhere. That's what I thought. And I, I feel that way about most countries is, is, is it really worth your time and effort, especially initially until you have a full team there to worry about it? Because there's just always enough difference to make it a really, really big headache. Right. And as with all of these things that the, the time and pain of, of the, of the cleanup is always way worse than, a, you know, a, a small investment to get it done right the first time. I'm with you on that one. You know, we had talked about some of the unique labor laws and are there, are there any others that come to mind that you find are just something that companies should kind of kind of pay attention to you. And we talked a little bit about some of the, the benefits that are really different, but anything else along those lines that we can say, hey, you know what, these are really places that companies often, you know, mess up on or. You know, I, I think that we, um, I think that we touched upon, you know, some of the things that are, you know, that are most different. Um, you know, I think our experience when people are doing entity and set up in Canada is because it's Canada that I think a lot of times um, companies maybe do underestimate a little bit of some of the cost involved in, in getting set up there. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, where it seems like if you're going to some place that might be seen as from a U.S. employer, it's like a more, you know, exotic location or further away or something. Um, 
then there's this assumption that, yeah, this could cost a lot of money and you kind of have the money and you're ready to go do it. But it's I'm like, oh, well, it's just Canada. So it's probably not going to cost us anything. And I'm exaggerating. But but I would say that would be a somewhat common thing that 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 companies would sometimes tend to think um, that that it, that it was going to be that it's less expensive, um, you know, than it actually might turn out to be. Absolutely, you know, just I think that the most important thing I think for our listeners to remember is is this is a different country, might look familiar, but it is in no way the same. You know, what I'm not sure I haven't been monitoring this as closely just recently, but what have you found as far as any of the trade and tariff issues? I know that there's been a lot of back and forth and there's a lot still up in the air at the time of this recording. Um, what are you seeing? Are there some trends? I mean, I think obviously the bigger trend being that, you know, there's a more of an inward focus from many countries and less of an open trade sort of a mindset. Um, what are you seeing with Canada specifically and the U.S., for example, or Canada and the EU? You know, I, I think if I were thinking of doing business in Canada, I, it, it certainly wouldn't be something that would stop me from going there, but it would definitely be something that I would monitor closely. Um, I think part of it depends on, you know, what type of, you know, business or service you provide. Um, but it, it's just so um, um, unsettled right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, you've got the situation with China, then you've got the situation, you know, within the last you know week or two um, um, with Mexico, where we're going to put these tariffs and now we're not. And then we've also had some things going, you know, with Canada. And then I know that they had put a tariff on like, um, you know, uh, bourbon from the United States that was shipped into Canada. You know, you always hit people hard when you tax the alcohol. <laughs> and then I, I saw that, you know, those just got rolled back um, within the last, you know, week or two um, so that they aren't there anymore. But you're getting this, you know, sort of tit for tat uh, sort of thing. So I think that it's just something you've got to keep an eye on. And if, uh, you know, the, 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 the government, you know, Washington, D.C. decides, hey, look, now we're going to slap a tariff on something in Canada, um, then I don't think there's any question that they're going to retaliate. And, you know, we've already seen some of that. So, uh, you know, I, I think Washington has been very difficult to predict. And um, I think that does make it a little bit more challenging. I, I think just for, you know, business leaders in general, you, you know, one thing that businesses everywhere like is they like, um, they, they like to have information and they like to be able to forecast, you know, how things are, you know, how things are going to play out. And that's probably been a little bit more challenging um, for companies that are doing business in other places or looking to employ people from other places. But I don't think anybody has the crystal ball to see exactly how all that's going to play out. Yeah, there's a huge premium on predictability and stability right now, isn't there? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. People and just in general, it's one of the things we always tell, you know, all of our folks and dealing with all of our clients to say, whatever it is, you just got to remember people, the thing 
people tend to hate more than anything else when they're doing business with you are surprises. Mm-hmm. And you can give people almost any kind of news, but if they're not surprised by it because they've been prepared for it, then you're going to be able to work out a pretty good solution that people hate being surprised. Um, and so that, that is one of the things I think that can be a little bit frustrating sometimes, um, you know, with how some of the things are playing out at the moment, because there is that element for, um, you know, some sort of surprise when you kind of peek around the corner. Um, and they're costly too, right? These are big, big initiatives and they're really costly. Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. Um, absolutely. So again, I think it's just something to be aware of, mm-hmm. you know, go in with your eyes open. Um, uh, and and I don't think it can, you know, necessarily, I, I don't, it wouldn't stop me from, like I said, doing something in Canada uh, right. per se, but you just need to be aware of it. Out of all the partners, it's one of the lower risk partners, if you think about it. So. Yeah, because, you know, we've talked about some things that are, that are different and the fact that it is a different country. Um, but I also think that, which is how people get lulled to sleep sometimes by some of this, but, it, but again, when we're working, um, you know, orders in Canada from the United States and, and looking to place people there, it is, it definitely is one of the most similar markets to the United States that we would find in terms of, you know, sort of the candidate experience. That makes sense. Bill, is there anything else that um, you want to make sure that our listeners are aware of and um, that we haven't already covered? No, I, I, I don't believe so. I, I think, um, you know, I think we've done a you know pretty good job of, you know, touching upon a lot of the, you know, a lot of the main points there. Fantastic. I want to thank you again. It's always a pleasure to have you join us and I appreciate your insights and and I know our listeners do as well. Well, thank you very much. Uh, The the feeling is mutual. So for our listeners, please make sure to join the Globig Resource Hub uh, if you're serious about doing business internationally. And the Globig, you know, the Globig International Business HR and Data Privacy Management Platform connects you to fantastic resources such as Gava Talent Solutions, and we help to make your day-to-day much more productive. Um, please subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts.